Been, Caroline? Uh, up and down the street, just up and down, like in a car, up and down to. I've been buying cheesy mite scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, how are you? We're good. We're just going to get straight into it. Great, um, let's do it. I'll shut the door. How's your blood pressure? Good, Sam. Yep. I did do an early morning yoga. Welcome to So Uncouth, a podcast filled with conversations you can't have in polite company. I'm Victoria Hannaford, I'm a recovering journalist. Say hello to Caroline Craig. She's an actor who's very calm. I am zen. <laughs> and our mysterious friend, Bunsen Burner, who earned that name due to an eruption that rivaled Krakatoa. Greet the listener, Bunsen. Uh, um, I'll use my voice this time. Hi. <laughs> well, we're three friends. We live in three different cities, so this is our weekly catch-up. Um, but I think before we get into it, I think we need to apologise to our tens of listeners for the filth of last episode. I I haven't had a shower. I'm reasonably uncouth, but I'd like to promise that we're going to deliver more um, highbrow content this week. I can't say that for sure, but hopefully it's, it'll be an episode that's not focused solely on bodily emissions. Listen, I don't. I think apologise is a little too strong a word. I think I, I think acknowledge is um <laughs> is where I'd like to position that, but. The take-home message is that we won't always be so bodily focused, but I'd just like to leave the door open. That's all I'm saying. I, I did call Victoria and I said, more erudite, fewer emissions. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I said to her, pretty gross. <laughs> but it was fun. It was so satisfying. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to call it brand alignment, I think. Yeah. Any, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we can move on. We can, and I think, look, in another sharp U-turn, um, last week we we shared that we don't purport to be um, any kind of relevant or newsworthy comment, but I, I just wanted to kick off by saying you may have noticed that Taylor Swift was in Australia recently. Before you get too excited or enraged about that, I just wanted to touch on two very important items to do with her tour that you may not be aware of. So the first thing is... This is very geographically specific content, but I think it's important that the world knows the kinds of things I have to suffer through living in Adelaide. Number one, Taylor did not schedule a date here, Um, but uh, a local rag decided that it was a good idea to get a cardboard cutout of Taylor and snap her all over town to get some sort of clickery, which... But, I mean, here you are. You're giving it verbal clickery. (laughs) Uh, it, that is just a level of desperation I've never seen before. <laughs> was was the cardboard cutout holding anything, like a, a wonderful packet of fries that you could buy from this very shop behind me? Was there any sort of no? And no. where was and where was the cut? Can you give us some locations for the where the cut where the cardboard cutout? Oh, sorry, okay. Kayla was seen. <laughs> Inverted commas, Taylor. So I will say that it was not an endorsed cardboard cutout. I would say that this was an off-brand. A tailored tailor. <laughs> tailor. A bootleg tailor. Uh, the only thing I know is that they put her at the airport I, and then I just, <laughs> I, I tuned out and I think they just put her like at local landmarks so that they could get a snapper. I was like, wow, things are, things are not tippity-top in that newsroom. I'll say that much. That's what you call fake news, people. And you <laughs> heard it here first. Well, so the, there's one other detail that I wanted to to bring your attention to. Mm. She went to a restaurant. 
in Sydney had dinner, but she got the wait staff to sign an NDA so no one could talk about what, what she ate. And I was like... <laughs> what do you think she ate? Pasta. <laughs> or was are it you, seared tuna? If it was seared are, tuna, you could write about that, sure. Are you saying that she... Uh, is that just a wild guess or is it a pasta restaurant? Do they serve anything other than pasta or did someone break their NDA? <laughs> it's an Italian restaurant. So I think we could we could throw some bets that she ate pasta. Anyway, so what I want to know is, now Bunsen, I know you made a sign an NDA so that we can never reveal your true identity. Mm. But <laughs> I want to know, like when... Do you have you guys, particularly you, Caroline, because I feel like this is an industry-specific thing, when have you been asked to sign NDAs and is it ever okay to break one? Or if you even talk about it, are you breaking one? I've signed a heap. I've broken them all. (laughs) (laughs) Not directly. Like I haven't given spoilers. But pretty much every time you audition for something, you know, especially for a lot of big American content, you have to uh, sign an NDA that you won't tell anyone about the script. And I just get so excited. But I don't share it. I might just say there's something exciting coming. I'm not in it, but I might be. (laughs) And then once I don't get the role, I'm like, I don't care. And people go, oh, what about that show? I don't care. I deleted it. (laughs) No, no. Yeah, NDAs are a thing. They're a real thing. And, um, but, you know, funnily enough, things like Underbelly, which, uh, you know, did sort of suffer a lot of uh, leakage and we hadn't, didn't sign NDAs in those days. So, you know, it was all a free-for-all. You were just like, oh, we're making a show. I hope someone watches it in those days. Are you trying to say that you were, you, were you responsible for some of that leakage? <laughs> I mean, what was the leakage? Judges put a slap down on the show they, they, because there was a jury and there were people in the Melbourne criminal world who were on trial at the time that the show was about to be released. And I remember doing a radio interview and, uh, and they were saying, yeah, it's going to be on TV tonight, it's so exciting. And then it came through, no, it's not going to be on TV tonight. Judge Betty has uh, shut it down. And then within 24 hours you could buy copies of the DVD at the Footscray Markets. <laughs> Do you think Judge Betty, I mean, whoever, <laughs> I, I, I question whether or not her name really was Betty. But anyway, so do you reckon Judge Betty was getting some kind of a kickback to Ooh. like to kind of pr- help promote the show? Because, I mean, you can't really have done, you know, sometimes breaking an NDA, even though there, you claim there was no NDA in this particular instance, sometimes breaking an NDA might actually be part of the the special source that gets it noticed. Wow, that's that's deep. That that's deep publicity. I want to say allegedly to anything Bunsen just said. We we oh, can't allegedly. Um, allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> I'm just saying. Can I just say? Just put just put the word allegedly. Yeah. Actually, do you know what, Victoria? I think that we should have another sting that just the- says <laughs> allegedly. I was thinking the exact same thing. So, but Caroline, what would have been the point of an NDA when um, Underbelly was based on real life? So it's like anyone with, you know, um, one of the books that had been written about the criminal underworld in Melbourne or an internet connection could have sort of researched it 
it, you know, like an NDA in that case, maybe some casting decisions would have been interesting, but like most of it would have been somehow on the public record. I think NDAs, yeah, and let me just put that out there. I've never broken an NDA, really. I was just joking around. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> um, because I'm just not that well connected. Like, who am I going to tell? My kids, my dog. Um, NDAs, I think, are probably more prevalent now with the speed of digital media, right? I think there's also the. I mean, let's not forget the Weinstein NDAs. That's that's a whole other kind of situation. Yeah, I mean, break break that. But I mean, that was that's a black hole of NDA. There's sort of. Well, just to clarify, there are a whole lot of NDAs that can be part of a legal settlement that kind of like a sort of like, well, listen, we'll give you some money, but, you, you know, anyway, we're not talking about those kinds of NDAs. No. We're just talking about NDAs that are like, don't tell anybody about this show. Yeah. Just, so spoiler alerts. That's much. the thing that I think is kind of, so we're talking about the sort of surface level NDA that is like, don't tell anyone about the great plot of this Or TV, what Taylor TV Swift show. ate for dinner. <laughs> right. Other very important items. Was it passed out? Has there been a carb alert? <laughs> you know, the NDAs that are kind of almost vaguely insulting because they're like you can't keep a secret or you'll like reveal a professional kind of element to your job that would actually see you get fired. Like it just I'm always vaguely offended. I have I reckon I've signed a few and let me tell you, they were the most boring pieces of information that have ever come across my desk like I was like I, I got no idea why you're asking me to sign this and also I can't say for sure whether I've kept them because they were so boring in the first place like they were so unmemorable. Do you mean that the information was so unmemorable or the contract was like a mobile phone plan that you just couldn't read? Both I was like I've got no idea what I'm being held accountable to uh, so I'll just uh, sign it and fingers crossed I don't ever break it like i got no idea what I'm signing like in truly like I've got no idea what the legal ramifications would be if I broke it um I don't know really what it is the secrets you're asking me to keep because the wording is so vague and uh you're boring that's the other thing (laughs) is this but you know there's a couple of failed law degrees in this virtual room (laughs) (laughs) not me not me I listen. Failed or, or you know avoided. I was about to say to have failed a law degree suggests that one would have actually achieved it, em, em, embarked upon it. Yeah, and I mean I did, but I lasted two weeks. But like, just putting that out there, just putting that out there. The NDA that I always think of is in Fifty Shades of Grey. Remember, he makes her sign an NDA. Yes, and I thought that that was possibly the most unsexy. Like once I got to that thing, I think I literally threw the book out a train window. Because I just thought if we're putting the NDA, it's like no one's even, you know, breathed heavily on someone's neck or, you know, tied their knickers in a knot. That interestingly touches on two other things I wanted to mention. So number one, would you sign an NDA before a romantic liaison? Because celeb news curator Dumois has had many submissions from people allegedly claiming that they have signed NDAs before getting busy with celebs and sports stars. Would you do it? I no. Think, no. All it makes me think of is I'm going to be exploited in this situation. Isn't that what an NDA is like? I also just kind of go, it's just a bit of a mood killer. It is. Yeah. It's a buzzkill, man. Imagine buzzkill. that you're about to, you know, engage intimately 
And then exactly. someone says, hang on, there's some paperwork that we paperwork. Just need to complete first. And on page 37 here, I'll just put these you sign stickers on. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want to clear, clear, clear that up and then we can resume our activities. I mean, do these NDAs, they must surely be signed after the fact. I don't know. I reckon that person's got tickets on themselves. Anyone asking you to sign an NDA, <laughs> get a You two have signed NDAs <laughs> to not reveal my, my identity. So... <laughs> All right, so I've got another uh, – that leads me into another question about your literature habits, Caroline. Oh, so God. we know you've read Fifty Shades of Grey. No, she didn't. She chucked I it didn't. out I the window. I didn't. I threw it out the window when I got to the NDA. I never know what happened. Why did they sign the NDA? Did they have sex? <laughs> I can't believe I can't, it. Do you know what? I've never read it. My uh, 80-year-old stepfather has read them all and seen all the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Does he recommend them? Well, I think he's often asleep, actually, and I can hear the, I can hear it playing, <laughs> the DVD playing upstairs. He, he uses them to get to sleep. That's how sexy it is. <laughs> I always had questions about the film adaptation. I was always like, because there were bits of it that were like, um, the continuity was really off. Like, I can't remember if it was the first or second movie, but like he got went missing and then two minutes later... Um, entered the room after being rescued and I just thought they must have been pissing themselves like on set the whole time with the insane leaps of logic. Listen, I haven't watched the film or read the book. It's kind of like being in a university tutorial. I'll talk anyway. Um, (laughs) Tell us what you thought. What's your opinion? My my my, my understanding is that people – if you're watching conti- if you if you're picking up on continuity, you're not really getting what the main thing is you're supposed to be getting out of it, which is allegedly uh, titillating content. So, <laughs> I just obviously that didn't work for you, Victoria. Well, no, I just I had questions because I feel like they were possibly under an, a contractual agreement to. Um, be very po-faced and serious about the whole thing. When I reckon you would have had to have been pissing yourself laughing in order to get over like the very like melodramatic tone of the film. Like is that like a survival technique, Caroline, when you're on set? Oh, yeah, there's got to be a lot of gags. I mean, I think that actually, sorry to bring it back to last week, but there'd be a lot of fart gags. I mean, there'd just be all sorts of. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. No, I mean, there's a, it's a closed set. Where's the ventilation? <laughs> a lot of Dutch ovens. There was one other thing I wanted to ask you about um, your book habits, Caroline, because, Ooh. yeah, here I'm we go. I'm in trouble today. What did yeah. I do wrong? No, 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 no. <laughs> what I think is uh, I may have to um, apologise for judging you harshly for something that I think perhaps you were leading the way with, and that is you used to do a little bit of book pilfery back in the day. I remember... When I was living in Bondi, a copy of Respect for Acting went missing after you came to visit one time and I was like, probably you recognised <laughs> quite accurately that I had no business owning that book. But I was like, I, you mailed it back, it was totally fine. But it was just that thing of like, you, you recognise that books are public property. She did not mail that book. <laughs> she, she did. still got it. 
I've got a couple of copies, actually. That's weird. I've got it. I've got it. But (laughs) but what I thought was was that you recognised well ahead of time that books need to be shared beyond beyond their initial lifespan. But at the time, I was like the hubris. I was so impressed that you were just like, "That's mine. It's coming with me. I'll see you later." (laughs) I have true respect. Although I must admit, I might have not read it all. Because uh, I thought when you – I've got a couple of things to say here. Firstly, uh, I think that that habit of Caroline still continues and she often, when she comes to my house, she goes, have you got anything good for me? Like she's, she's always kind of – she's looking for the, the next book. But I have also noticed and I don't – I haven't seen this in recent years, but I do recall being on holidays with you perhaps, you know, quite a long time ago, Caroline, where – Let's just say you'd be. It would appear that you may have read the same page several times. Like I don't know whether or not you've finished. There's like the, it's. I don't. I don't know with the about the completion rate. No. Well, you were interrupting me, and you were so scintillating that I couldn't put the. I had to hold the book up just as a shield from your wit, and also I couldn't stop listening to you. I couldn't stop talking. <laughs> If only I could stop talking. <laughs> now I need to be on long train journeys with very boring company, um, and even then, if there's then, an NDA, even then you just out. yeah, it's even then you out. chuck it out the window. <laughs> no, I love a good book. I really do love a good. Book. I'd finished a couple. It's very satisfying to finish them, but um, <laughs> let's just say I, I'm not always satisfied. Right? <laughs> Can't always get what you want. He's always <laughs> hungry, hungry for the next title. Well, I never read Uta Hagen's Respect for Acting. I had no business in owning the book, clearly. Disrespect for acting. I I think you could write disrespect for acting. (laughs) No, but I think you touched on something like you were ahead of your time because you recognised that, like, books are better when shared. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's exactly it. And that's probably why I found it difficult to get through it because I just want to share this story with you guys. (laughs) I want to know what you think. Maybe there could be some sort of platform where everyone's reading the same book and you'd be like, oh, my God, page three. I think it's is- called a book club. <laughs> no, I've had very bad experiences. I've never been to a book club, but I actually would quite like to because I feel like, again, I could perhaps turn up as I did to university and going, I haven't read the book, but I think. <laughs> I think you have to bake cakes and stuff for book clubs. I, I, yeah. yeah, I had a book club in London. I think it lasted for about three um, sessions. I think we got three books in. It was with people who worked in publishing, so it was extremely high stakes for them. Um, we always met in a pub, which may give you a clue to actually the true meaning of book club, which I think is alcohol consumption. Um, some people were not satisfied with the response to their book selection and the whole thing devolved into tears and had to disband after three guys. Did you? So, what book did you select and and then what book did you cry about, Victoria? I didn't know it wasn't me. Oh, really? find that very hard to believe. She's very controlling, so the, isn't she, Caroline? There was a book that was really popular at the time and I think it was like one of those things that was just like a blip in popular culture where it was like written from the perspective of like a um, famous chimpanzee like in the 50s, you know, the chimps that used to smoke cigars and stuff. And it like won prizes and it's never been heard from again. I think I'm remembering that. I know this one. My cousin was talking about it the other day and it's sort of all about humans actually and how crazy humans are. Is it all from the monkey's perspective? I've got absolutely no recollection of the book. It's like I, Alfie or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
And But I do remember that someone who chose it, who worked in publishing at the time, she just felt that we hadn't respected her book choice enough and she cried and had red wine stain around her mouth as she was kind of um, excoriating all of us for not, not enjoying her choice. <laughs> book fights. Book fights. That and sounds so, good. And so, yeah, because I actually think that it's quite, I pref- you know, it's very boring if everybody's having the same kind of like feelings in general but the same feelings about a book, right? So wouldn't, I mean, that to me sounds like a great book club. It's like a Jerry Springer book club. Like you yeah. actually want some argy-bargy. It really wasn't sustainable. Like, that, level. <laughs> <laughs> that level of emotion and public just, humiliation, it sounds like. And, and not for people who were invested that heavily in like the world of publishing. I think they felt like it was sort of like extra homework. I didn't, I couldn't have cared less either way. But, um, you know. How many just, people were members? It's maybe like half a dozen. And can I ask, Victoria, if you, are you still in touch with any of the members? Um, I follow one or both on Instagram, one other member I've sort of, um, let's say I've put them on ice um, for unrelated reasons and um, <laughs> I've never forgotten it. Did a, fight, did a fight break out over Moby Dick or something? Like, or was it, was it a new? I, I, I can't even really explain, but it really devolved into something quite melodramatic in a pub in East London on like a maybe a rainy Wednesday night. I think I'd told, like I was working as a music journalist at the time, some cute indie person had said to me, are you going to come to a gig? I'm like, I'm sorry, I've got book club. And I felt really <laughs> smug about that. So I couldn't go to their gig. And then it all, it was just, it was like so peak drama, but it was really red wine fueled. Like you can imagine people with red wine mouth oh. like and how those blackened teeth, they just undermine the seriousness of anything that person says because you know they're borderline hysterical. And so the person who chosen the, the chimp book, and I love chimps. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I know you and... love chimps, Victoria. I know you love chimps. <laughs> we have it. We've yeah. got chimp history. No, but I, I think um, it was just one of those things where I was like, I, I was very bitten, once bitten, twice shy. No more book club for okay. me. Well, Victoria, if you know, if if there is another book club opportunity. Um, uh, she'll she'll definitely have an opinion. She'll have an opinion. I'll have an opinion. It. it doesn't even matter if I've read the book, if I haven't read the book, whatever. And I'm also, you know, I have often wondered with the red wine stain, by the way, whether or not that is something to do with the amount of red wine consumed or the specific anatomical construction of the lips that are consuming the red wine. Oh, like a dry lip is more Or even the shape of a lip. Like (laughs) I remember once when this is. I'm getting some lip balm. (laughs) I'm getting my lips filled. I'm just getting them filled right now. I'm feeling very conscious (laughs) of my lips. Go, Bunsen, I want to hear this theory. I just, listen, I don't know. it's It's a bit of a long story as to how I ended up in this situation and I probably won't reveal all of it, but let's just say I was, I don't know, 20 or something. I was in a situation in France where I was being forced. Well, I don't know if you can use the word forced, but let's just say there was a lot of regular duck cassoulet and red wine. Allegedly. Allegedly. And um, no, there really was. And <laughs> I, I ended up, after about five days, 
because I'd never really drunk red wine before. Because, Hang on a second. Hey. Is this story going back to little thematics of last week? No, just no, wondering. no. I mean, it could, <laughs> but I'm quite prepared to save that for another time. It could. Uh, but after about five days of being in this peculiar situation, I looked in the mirror and noticed that I had this kind of like red line on my lips. And I'd never really drunk much red wine before because, mate, I was just drinking VBs. Up until then, <laughs> and um, and I had to ask, you know, like, is, have I got some kind of a disease? Is there some sort of weird scab formation? What is it? Anyway, it turned out it was just kind of like a semi-permanent lip tattoo from the red, from the constant <laughs> slow drip of red wine that you had been frankified. sort of anyway. Um, but I also kind of I don't know. I think some people's lips. I don't know exactly, but I feel like some people may be more susceptible to a red wine stain than others. Do you think that the red wine unleashed something in these people, their true feelings about that maybe their publishing careers or where publishing was heading? It it was absolutely unhinged and I think red wine has an effect like no other. Like it it was quite intense and just came from a deep wellspring that I had not ever really seen before. Like, yeah, I get maybe like wanting to do a good job like at book club or wanting people to like your book, but it just went so far off the Richter that I think we never really, we all kind of left and, and never spoke of it again. It was just like immediately <laughs> Until now. Involved. Until now. <laughs> Until now. <laughs> Did you have a pile of unread books that you had to get through? <laughs> well, I think that's the thing is I, I think at that time I think maybe I had access to quite a lot of free books and that changed my view on books in general. So it's like I now, like I think I was very precious about books maybe at the time that you um, borrowed my copy of Respect for Acting and now quite I cannot clearly. get rid of a book book fast enough. Like I just want to, I want other people to have them because I can't handle how quickly they accumulate and there's no point, there's no point. Once you've read a book, it's so much nicer to pass it on like those little community libraries. I'm so keen on that. That's really I generous. That's the way for- I only take from those libraries. You know, got, got, <laughs> I'm the taker. I've got Deja Dead. I've got I've got so many titles. Girl, Woman, Other. I've got a heap on my, my bedside table. Such a good mother. That's a great one. <laughs> the beginning is, is that- I love beginnings. I love those beginnings. Yeah, yeah, we know. It's just the endings you have trouble with. <laughs> So I've got, I think we're almost out of time, but Caroline, I believe you've got a so uncouth of the week that you were quite keen to share with us. It perhaps was something in the public realm about oh, a... the mankini. I have not, I've deliberately sort of stayed away from the bulk of this news. So I want you to tell me who we are giving the so uncouth of the week to. Like I won't mention any names, but it's an equestrian superstar who was just entering into <laughs> the uh, spirit of the event where I think it might I think it might even be an Olympian where they were getting dressed up in various different outfits and there were some funny outfits you know some fake muscles this sort of thing and then decided to wear I think it's like a yellow like bright sort of gold yellow mankini while horse riding and I just <laughs> and and got into a lot of trouble and I don't think that's fair I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen, did he get into trouble? No, but I think people were body body shaming our friend and I won't stand for it. I won't stand for it. No, and on a horse and on horseback. I mean, that's pretty impressive. That is a real wedgie. That's a real wedgie. (laughs) 
I was about to say, do you think it was it was the combo of the horse and the mankini? Like, do you reckon he would have got into so much trouble if he if the horse hadn't been involved? I don't think so. <laughs> so, I mean, people were saying that he was uncouth. I'm saying they are uncouth. And, you know, it gets very hot when you're horse riding. Sometimes you need to have an open chest. Ventilate. Ventilate. <laughs> Ventilate your butt cheeks. I did see, though, that he, because I think he was kind of banned or shunned in some way from the equestrian community and then there was such outrage, you were not alone, Caroline, that that was reversed. The only thing I know about this is he called the people who got mad at him um, dobbers, so it devolved into sort of schoolyard slanging match. But I think he's in the right. Oh. He'll forever have my backing, even if he's not even wearing anything. Even if he anything. doesn't even have anything on his back. Zero backing. <laughs> have you? I mean, I know you talked a little while ago, Caroline, about your uh, outfit that you wore to your 80s party. Victoria, have you ever worn um, something from which you have also re- received extreme negative feedback? <laughs> I don't have anything um, in mind. I'm just, you know, curious. Yeah. Um, I would say definitely yes, but the, probably the most unjustifiable time was when I worked for a very posh establishment in London and they told me that my hair was too messy because it was curly. And, um, yeah, and I think that's, that's when... curlest. We had, a, we had a sort of psychic parting of ways at that point and it wasn't long after that I resigned because I just was like, get a grip. Oh, mate, um, I had a similar employment story. That was in... Uh, a while ago where someone talked to me about my dress and uh, how I should be dressing in a way that the customers would like, you know, you want to walk into a shop, she said, and, you know, you've got to dress like someone who you'd want to see. But can I just say this woman who was telling me this was wearing stirrup pants. That's all I got to say. Was this when you were selling orange juice? I remember when you were No, it wasn't when I was selling orange juice. It was when I was selling Australian souvenirs, including, I am sorry to say, kangaroo scrotum coin purses. And, yes, they were seamless. (laughs) I don't think that's fair to sell a scrotum purse and then at the same time to have the gall to pick on your outfit. What were you wearing, Bunsen? Well, it was in approximately 1997, 1998. I think there would have been... A hiking boot, maybe a tie-dye negligee uh, 90s, sort of vibe. Yeah. I don't know. But, but yeah, 90s, but not neat 90s. Yeah, grunge. It wasn't like Friends 90s. No. It was like. I remember I remember those negligees. I remember the, the, the old, like, um, slips or whatever you get from the op shop and you'd tie-dye them. you tie-dye them. them and then you pair them with, like, Blundstone hiking boots. Eight-up dots. Yes. Yeah. Uh, great look. Anyway, I just remember her saying this thing to me and I was kind of staring at her stirrup pants. And then also she said kind of just this concept of imagine you're walking into a shop. How would you like to see someone dressed? And I remember just this voice in my head was just like, I don't care. I, if I walk into a shop, I'm not thinking about the other person. I'm thinking about the product. Caroline, when was the time when you were told off for something you've worn? I was in a show called Love and Other Sharp Objects that toured. It was a theatre and education show and I had to tour all around country Victoria. We had some great audiences, but also some very vocal young kids in the audience. And I remember um, some of them asking me about my 
uh, orientation in, while I was in the middle of singing a song and it, I was being told off for my hairy underarms and the fact that I didn't shave at all. But I was, again, it was the 90s, it was university, I was free and, <laughs> and I was singing a lot of songs and I was wearing pretty much just mesh. So what can you do, you know? And the little kid said, excuse me, <laughs> what is all that hair? And the director pulled me aside and he said, no, Cara, I don't want to, you know, squash your identity or anything and tell you what to do, but it's just distracting for the show. <laughs> well, I think we've all lived up to the name of this podcast yet again, Um so I would like to thank the listener for their company and uh, we'll cop you later. Cop you later. Bye. Bye.